0: You're listening to a message from Redemption Community Church, a life-giving church in Westchester County, New York. We pray this message encourages you today. Thanks for listening. We are starting a two-part series called Be My Witness. I want to talk to you over the next two weeks about your calling, your purpose as a follower of Jesus Christ. Let me start by asking you this question. How many of you still write notes to people every now and then? I know we got some young people in the room. You're like, Pastor Jeremy, that's why we have texting and apps. But back in the day, we had this thing called pen and paper, if you've never heard of it before, (laughs) this ancient technology. But how many of you still write notes every now and then? Like maybe you write a note to a coworker, you know, just a heads up. The coffee machine in the break room is broken. Or maybe if you're a parent, you write a note to your kids. You know, you leave a note, uh, dinner's in the refrigerator, microwave it for five minutes right? Or maybe uh, you leave a note for the babysitter. Um, If you have an emergency, here's the number to call. Call 911. Don't call me. Leave me alone. I need a break. (laughs) Come on, parents. You know what I'm talking about? I write notes to myself. Anybody else do this? I write more notes to myself than anybody else. I like sticky notes. Where are the sticky notes people at? I put sticky notes on the counter, on the nightstand, on my dresser, on top of my Mac. Like, hello, I've discovered if you have enough sticky notes, you can organize your life. Some of y'all are wasting money on self help books and all these productivity apps. What you need is some sticky notes. Can I get an amen? Somebody it would change your life. <laughs> Today, I want to look at a passage of scripture where Jesus essentially leaves us a note. He leaves us a note. In Acts chapter one, Jesus leaves a note and he says, Here's what I want you. To do. Here's what I need you to do. See, here's what I want everybody in this place to know today. Jesus gives every one of his followers a mission, a sense of purpose. If you're feeling a little bit purposeless today, you're in the right place because you have a mission. You have a calling. You might say, well, Pastor Jeremy, no, that's you. You're a full-time pastor. You have a calling. Hello, if you said yes to Jesus, when you, when you said yes to following him, maybe you didn't read the fine print, but you also signed up for his mission God wants to use your life. There's a calling, there's a purpose over your life. If you're not a follower of Jesus today and you're here checking things out, you're off the hook. But everybody else, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have a mission. And that's what I wanna talk to you about today and over the next two weeks. Now, we're gonna be in the book of Acts chapter one. Let me give you a little context around Acts chapter one. Uh, The story we're gonna read today where Jesus speaks to his disciples, this takes place after Jesus's crucifixion and resurrection, Jesus has risen from the dead, and for 40 days, he's appeared to various people. In fact, Scripture tells us he, he appeared to over 500 people, like leaving no doubt that he was truly alive. But all along, Jesus had been trying to prepare his disciples for his return to the Father, He had been saying to them and preparing them, like, soon I am returning to the Father and I'm leaving my work to you. You're gonna take on my ministry. You're gonna take on my legacy, my work in this world because I'm going back to the Father. And so the big day arrives. Jesus gathers his disciples together on a hillside and he gives them some final instructions. Let's look at it, Acts chapter one, verses three through five. Here's what it says. After his suffering, this is after Jesus went to the cross, he, Jesus presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. How about appearing to people after you've been crucified? That's pretty good proof that you're alive. Like Jesus appeared in bodily form after they saw him resurrected and placed in a tomb. I would say that's pretty convincing proof. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Come on, Jesus says, I'm going to the Father, but I'm not leaving you alone in this world. I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. I'm sending you the one that I've been telling you about who's going to be my presence and my power on the inside of you. You're not going out into the world to to live for me on your own, to to live out this message and embody this message on your own. I'm giving you the gift of the Holy Spirit. And when we get to Acts chapter 2, that's what we see happens. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is poured out and the church is born. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was one of the disciples, I feel like I'd be pretty excited about that. Like, that's a pretty big announcement, right? Like, Jesus like, I'm leaving, I'm turning everything over to you, but you're about to experience the power of the Holy Spirit. Like, how would you respond to that? Well, let's look at how the disciples responded in verse 6. It says, then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Like essentially, Lord, is this the part where you overthrow the Romans, overthrow the Roman empire, the bad guys, and, and like you take over everything and establish your earthly kingdom here? And Jesus is like, you know that emoji with the head down? Jesus is like, are you guys paying attention? Like, are you, are you following me? Is anybody listening here? Like, I just told you, I'm going to the Father. You're going to establish my kingdom, and it's going to look like a totally different kind of kingdom. I'm about to give you the Holy Spirit, like the disciples still don't get it. little side note here, a little observation here. It's possible to be following Jesus and to miss the point of what he's doing in this world and how He wants to use you. Little, little observation here. It's possible to be a Christian, to profess to be following Jesus and really miss the point of how he's wanting to use you and what he's doing in this world. And sadly, there are so many. Churches and so many Christians who are so distracted by other things and the most important thing and living out the mission that Jesus called them to. We got Christians who are all caught up in politics. And I'm not saying we shouldn't have an influence in that sphere, but there are some people like that's the most important thing. What we need to do is get Christians together and vote and pass legislation. And we need to fight culture wars. And we got Christians who are more concerned about the church building. We got Christians fighting over what color the carpet should be while the world is falling apart and going to hell. And Jesus is like, wake up. Let's make the main thing the main thing. Let's stay focused. Look at what he says to them in verse seven. He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the dates that the Father has set by his own authority. Jesus said, No, no, no. That's not what we're doing. That's not what we're doing. And it's not for you to know anyway. It's not for you to get sucked into rabbit holes on YouTube about the end times. Hello, let's entrust that to God the Father. He knows when he's going to come back and fully establish his kingdom. Let me tell you what I'm up to and what I want you to be about. Look at this, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witness. Would everybody read that out loud with me? You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I love the old King James, to the uttermost parts of the earth. <laughs> Jesus says, I'm, I'm leaving to return to the Father, but I'm sending the Holy Spirit to empower you to be my witness. You're going to carry on my work, my legacy, my ministry. You're going to be the mouthpiece of my love in this world. Notice he didn't say, and, you, and you will, uh, you're going to receive the power of the Holy Spirit, and you're going to have great church services where you really feel good about yourselves. Come on, some of you grew up, some of you charismatic people, you grew up in Holy Spirit churches where it was a Holy Spirit huddle and Holy Spirit was all about recreational purposes. We're gonna gather together and feel really good. That's not why the Holy Spirit was poured out, church. You will receive power from the Holy Spirit to be what? To be my witnesses, to do the work that I've called you to do. And what did Jesus say that his mission was? while he was here on this earth. Well, he said it in Luke chapter 19, verse 10. He said, for the son of man, which was a prophetic title he used to refer to himself. The son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Like that's what it's all about. That was Jesus's heart. That was his mission. That's what we see Jesus do all throughout the gospels. He goes to the broken. He goes to the marginalized. He goes to those who have been forgotten by the religious leaders. Jesus said, I'm all about seeking and saving the lost. I'm about going to the ones who are far away from God. Those are my people, amen? So thankful that his heart was for the lost. That was his mission then. And that's his mission for you and me as followers of Jesus Christ. That's why we exist in this world. In fact, our mission statement as a church is this. We exist to help people find new life in Jesus Christ and to follow him completely. Come on church, that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. We exist to help people experience new life in Jesus Christ and to follow him completely. That is our mission. That is our top priority. That's why we baptized eight people last Sunday. Can we give thanks to God in this place today? That is why we exist as a church. And so here's the big idea today. To be a Christian is to live on mission. And that mission is to be a witness to the love Of Jesus Christ. To be a Christian is to live on mission. Jesus didn't just come to do everything. It's not just for you. He didn't just save you for you. He's got a purpose for your life. And it's about something so much bigger than you. And so his mission for us is that we would be a witness to his love. Now, let me say a word here about the word witness, okay? I did a little studying of this word because the New Testament was originally written in Greek and the word witness here has a legal connotation. Like, you know, we would think about the judicial system as if you were taking the witness stand in a trial. What's your job when you're a witness, when you take the witness stand? It's to give testimony to the facts, to the evidence. Notice Jesus didn't call us to be the judge. He didn't call us to be the jury. He didn't call us to be the prosecutors. Hello, we've had some Christians throughout 2000 years who have thought it was their job to be judge, jury, executioner, (laughs) you know, prosecutor. No, no, Jesus said, your job is just to be a witness, just to testify of my love, of my goodness, of the difference I've made in your life, to be a witness. Now, I want you to notice how Jesus uses geography as an illustration of how the gospel is gonna spread. He says, I want you to have a, a, a mental picture of how the gospel is gonna spread. Look at verse eight. He said, the Holy Spirit's gonna come upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, obviously you and I, we don't live in the Holy Land like the disciples did, okay? And since we don't live in the Holy Land, I wanna use each of these geographical places to represent who it is that Jesus is sending us to. If we live on mission, he is sending us into the world with his love, with his message, with his presence. And so what I wanna do is take each of these regions and use them to represent the people who Jesus is sending us to. So I wanna invite you to take some notes, to write some notes down here. I wanna give you four groups of people that we're called to be witnesses to. Come on, we're called to take the stand and testify to our good God, to testify to Jesus, what he's done for us, just to speak to the evidence of how he's changed our lives. Can I just say the most convincing evidence there is, the most convincing message you'll ever ever tell somebody is how Jesus has changed your life. So four groups of people that we are to be witnesses to. Here's the first one, number one, Jesus is sending you to your Jerusalem. Your Jerusalem. See, for the disciples, Jerusalem was their own backyard. This was where they were living, where they were working, where they were raising their families. Like this was their, their circle of people, Our Jerusalem represents the people who we come in contact with every day. These are the people that we maybe have the most in common with. These might be some of your closest neighbors, your coworkers, certainly your family, your friends. Like this is your inner circle. These are the people who are in your sphere of influence. What do I mean by that? People that you influence and people who can influence you. Sociologists tell us we have, every person has between 50 to 150 people who you come in contact with on a regular basis. These are, this is your sphere of influence. Sociologists also tell us that we as human beings by nature are social animals, and we are more under the influence of other people than we even realize. We're influenced by people and we influence other people without even realizing it. You know, I think about when I hang around my guy friends. When I hang around my guy friends who are into sneakers, I want more sneakers. When I hang around my guy friends who are really into sports, I start checking my ESPN app more often. So I'm up on sports, right? If I hang around people who eat healthy, I tend to order something more healthy in the restaurant. And I want to hang around people who aren't as healthy. I tend to do the opposite, right? We're, We're influenced by people. Like don't underestimate the influence that people have on you and that you can have on people. Jesus says, I want you to be a witness and influencer in your Jerusalem, in your inner circle. So let me tell you about my own My own story, coming to faith. I was raised in church. I'm a pastor's kid. I grew up in church, but I made a personal commitment to follow Jesus the summer before my senior year of high school. I was really rebellious uh, during my teenage years and was kind of running away from God. And Jesus got a hold of my heart before my senior year of high school. And I made my own decision to follow him, not my parents' decision, not just their faith, but I decided to follow Jesus and it completely changed my life. I've never been the same person And at that time, my best friend in high school was a guy named Kyle, who's still like a brother to me to this day. And I influenced him to follow Jesus. And I think Kyle had maybe been to church some when he was a kid, uh, but he was living uh, in a broken home. His parents had had a a divorce and his dad lived on the other side of the state. And his mom was going through a really difficult season of life. And and I influenced him to follow Jesus during a time when his mom wasn't really close to God. And, And in turn, he influenced me. At a pivotal time in my life, going into my senior year, making decisions about my future, going into my freshman year of college before I went off to Bible college, I look back at that time and I realized how God used someone in my inner circle. I influenced Kyle and Kyle influenced me to follow Jesus and neither of us have ever been the same. He ended up being my best man in my wedding. I was the best man in his wedding and I've watched him raise his family. He's married and has four kids and he's following Jesus. And I recognize the power of my inner circle. And here's what I want you to understand today, church. We're called to be spiritual influencers in our Jerusalem. Like, don't underestimate how God can use you to influence the people closest to you for Christ. In fact, I would put it this way. You are the best positioned person to help influence that person for Christ. A lot of times we think it's somebody else's job. Oh, Pastor Jeremy's going to do it, right? Some other pastor's going to do it. No, no. Get this. You are the best positioned person, positioned by the Holy Spirit to make a difference in the lives of the people who are closest to you. Y'all are a little bit quiet. That's a good spot to say amen. amen. Come on, Pastor. We believe you, Pastor. We believe you. Build our faith today. All right, Jesus said, I want you to go to Jerusalem. Then number two, I want you to go to Judea. I'm sending you to Judea. Now, geographically, these were people in the surrounding region where the disciples would have been comfortable going and interacting. Like, this was the, the, the region where they lived, okay? Jer- Jerusalem was located in Judea. For us, Judea represents the people who are just outside of our inner social circle, maybe one or two rings outside of our social circle. These are people who might be far from God, but close to us. And, and Jesus is calling us to be a witness to them, not to preach at them, not to quote scriptures at them, but just to be a witness to his love and his grace and his mercy and his goodness. And so for example, this might be uh, a neighbor who lives down the street or someone who goes to your gym or the, the waiter that you actually know by their first name because they're in your neighborhood favorite restaurant. This might be the girl at the counter at the dry clean at the dry cleaners that you go to this might be your kids friends parents if you're a parent like me side note how are you doing with uh, how are you treating people in customer service roles these days seriously like that's a really good challenge for us as christians because we're living in a world first of all customer service i know is on an all-time low it's easy to be frustrated with people in customer service but i also think what it's like to be treated you know these days working in customer service I mean, we have an option to be a breath of fresh air. I hope you're a generous tipper, hello, when you're in restaurants. Do you smile at people every now and then? Like, do you see people? I think we go through our daily lives and sometimes it's just so easy because we're so busy because we're fast paced New Yorkers. I think sometimes it's easy to go through our day and just not even see people. You know what I mean? Like every now and then when I'm in the grocery line, checkout, like I just smile at somebody. Like not in a weird way, you know, like a serial killer. <laughs> But just to smile and acknowledge somebody's humanity, hello, that they're a person, they're not a robot, right? Just to be kind to someone, to be generous towards somebody. Listen to me, you never know what somebody's going through and how your smile might make a difference. You might be the only person who smiled at them all day long, you know what I mean? Like, we need to be aware of this. I think, like Jesus said, open your eyes and be more intentional with the way you live. There are people all around you, who, who and God needs you to be a witness to them. And I'll tell you, uh, a couple weeks ago, I, my, my dry cleaners, this popped in my head as I was praying over this message this week, uh, my dry cleaners, they actually lost a suit that I dropped off for cleaning. They accidentally bundled it with somebody else's pickup, and, and uh, they didn't have my suit. And, and it was cool. I didn't make a big deal about it. I think they were ready for me to, like, come and burn the place down or something, and, and took them a couple of days they found my suit and you know they didn't charge me and so I still go to the cleaners it's fine it's my, it's my neighborhood cleaner so the other day I dro- I stopped by to drop my suit off again and when I walked in the girl put her head down like right away like oh god here he comes you know and i think people are just so used to other people just making a huge deal and being nasty and mean about that stuff. And I walked in, I'm like, girl, it's so good to see you. You're in here all the time. You keep this place running. And, and her name's Mimi and just trying to be friendly with her. And she kind of perked up. And you know what she asked me? She said, what do you do? Like, what, do you, what kind of work do you do? And good thing I hadn't been rude to her, right? I'd have been like, I'm the pastor at First Baptist Church. Like, oh, I wouldn't even say the name of our church. <laughs> but here's the reality. When that whole screw up happened, I recognized it was an opportunity to show grace and to show love. I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. It's because I recognized like, this is what I'm called to do, to be an influencer. And so I got to tell her I'm a pastor and then she got distracted with some other customers. But next time I go in there, I'm gonna invite her to our church. She's on my list of people. And so... I think we just have to live with intentionality. We've got to open our eyes to the needs and the people who are around us. On a, on a regular basis, church, there are people around us and we have opportunities to see them. I find so often um, that I'm in conversations about faith and church with my kids, friends, parents, So we're at that age where we have a son in middle school and elementary and and, uh, my oldest is in high school, but the younger kids, they're they're playing sports and we're always at school events. And I've been coaching my son's basketball team the last two years and getting involved in the community. And of course, people find out what I do, but so often people ask me about church. People ask me about faith. Uh, I think about a few months ago, I was picking my son Michael up from his friend's house and and I got to talking to his friend's mom and I wasn't preaching at her or anything like that. And she just began to share what she was going through. And before I knew it, the tears were flowing. And I had an opportunity just to love on her, to show her the love of Jesus and encourage her and invite her to get connected to a good church. Of course, give her an invitation here. Do you see it? Here's what I want you to recognize. There are opportunities all around us if we would just open our eyes. And here's what I find. I find that most people are hurting and in need of encouragement. Most people are hurting and are in need of encouragement and they're more open spiritually than you recognize great people of faith that we are, we tend to think, oh, no, people aren't open. If I ask that person to come to church, you know, they're going to say no, or, you know, we know the two polite things you never talk about. Never talk about religion or politics when the reality is most people around us are broken in desperate need of the love of Jesus Christ, and they're actually more open. They're more desperate for somebody to bring the life-giving presence of God into their life than you even recognize. Let me tell you something. I have never had an unchurched friend be offended by an invite to church. I've never had him say, oh my God, I can't believe you invited me to come to your church. Never! Now, I've had a lot of people I've invited who haven't come over the years, and I'm praying and I keep asking, but I've never had anybody ever be offended by that. And so I think quite often God is sending us to people around us, but we're too busy to even recognize the need and see people. And Jesus is saying, Wake up and see your Judea, the people around you. Here's the third thing He said, I want you to go to Jerusalem, I want you to go to Judea. Number three, I want you to go to Samaria. This next geographical area, this place that Jesus mentions, Samaria, it's really quite fascinating because Jesus is speaking to his Jewish disciples and you have to recognize that Jews and Samaritans hated each other. See, there's some history and some backstory here. Generations earlier, the Assyrians, as in the Assyrian Empire, the Assyrians had conquered this region of the Holy Land. They had dragged a bunch of the Jews back off to the Assyrian Empire, but some of the Assyrians stayed back and intermingled and married and intermingled with these people. And the Jews Jews saw the Samaritans as half-breeds. There was bigotry. There was racism going on here. Jews and Samaritans didn't mix. Jews did not go to Samaria. In fact, they avoided Samaria. We have a map for you here to help you see it, okay? There's Samaria right in the middle of the Holy Land. Judea is the region in the south. That's where Jerusalem is. And then Galilee is there in the north. That's where Jesus's ministry was centered around. And often Jews, when they would travel between Galilee and Judea, you can see how much easier it would be to go through Samaria. But because the Jews despised the Samaritans, Samaritans so much, they would actually go all the way around, miles out of their way, so they didn't have to pass through Samaria. Okay? So here's what I want you to recognize that Samaria represents those who are not like us, those who we are not naturally inclined to be around and hang out with. But while most Jews avoided Samaria... Jesus purposely traveled through Samaria. Let's look at this in John chapter 4, verses 3 through 4. Here's what it says. So he, Jesus, left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Jesus didn't have to go to Samaria. Jesus chose to go through Samaria. Why? Because Jesus was modeling something for us. He was modeling something for his followers, that you are called just as much to the people who are not like you, who don't think like you, who don't look like you, just as much you are to those who are like you. He was showing us something. In fact, later on in in the gospel of John, John tells us in John chapter 4, this same chapter, that Jesus stops by a well and talks to a woman at a well. And we read that and we don't think anything about it. But in Jesus' time, this was scandalous. His disciples were wondering what he was doing. First of all, Jesus was on the wrong side of the tracks. He was in the wrong neighborhood. Okay, Jews didn't hang out with Samaritans. Second of all, he was speaking to a Samaritan woman. Men and women, you didn't, men didn't speak to women at that time if you didn't know that woman. You didn't just speak to a woman in public. It's not the way things worked back then. And here's Jesus talking to this woman. And third of all, we find out she kind of has a sketchy background. And here's Jesus sitting down, spending time talking to her, and she ends up putting her faith in him. But the disciples are scandalized. Why? Because their society had erected all of these barriers because of all this baggage to separate the Jews from the Samaritans. But aren't you thankful that Jesus didn't build walls to keep people out? He crossed lines to bring people in. Come on, he crossed the line of your sin and your shame and your brokenness to bring you and me in. Jesus wasn't a wall builder. He was a line crosser. He crossed lines to bring people in, to bring people close. And the division in our culture, there's so much divisiveness in our culture. It's led many of us to believe, sadly, even many Christians, that if you don't look like me, if you don't vote like me, if you don't think like me, if you don't believe like I believe, then you are my enemy. That is the cultural moment we are living in right now. That is the Fox News, MSNBC world that we are living in right now. That if you don't think like me and then you're not like me, then you are my enemy. But Jesus shows us the opposite. Jesus shows us that if you're, if you're not like me, then you are someone to be loved and known and understood. In fact, I'm going to go out of my way. I'm going to cross lines to get to you because you too are someone made in the image of God. You too are someone that Jesus Christ gave his life for. Am I preaching to anybody who's living in the real world like me right now? Jesus said, they're not your enemy. They're not your enemy. They're your mission field. We're living in a culture that wants to convince us that people who aren't like us are our enemy. And Jesus said, no, those are the very ones I'm sending you, you too. So my job as a follower of Jesus is not to judge you or to change you. Like my job is to love you in such a way that you see the love of the Father in me. If you get that right, you've got everything right. And we have really lost the art in this cultural moment that we're living in of disagreeing with people respectfully, just disagreeing with people in love. You know it's okay to disagree with someone and still be friends with them. You know that, right? Like, you know it's okay to disagree with somebody and still love them. You know it's okay to have a holy curiosity to recognize that maybe you don't have all of the answers and somebody else's perspective may widen your perspective. You know it's okay to be humble and do that, right? <laughs> all right, just making sure you're tracking with me. Jesus said, I want you to go to Jerusalem. I'm calling you. I'm calling you to go to Jerusalem. I'm calling you to go to Judea. I'm calling you to cross lines and to go to Samaria. And then the fourth thing he says, I'm sending you to the ends of the earth. See, Jesus didn't want us to think small about our impact. He said, this gospel is for everyone, even the ends of the earth. And when we hear that, sitting here in the United States of America, we hear ends of the earth. We think about some remote part of the world. Well, guess what? When you're standing in Jerusalem, the ends of the earth are New York. Aren't you thankful the disciples listened to Jesus and actually took him up on his, on his calling and they took the gospel to every direction? And here we are today. See, Jesus wanted us to recognize that this message of love is for everyone. Jesus said, this message of love that I'm, I'm giving you, it's, to, it's for every person everywhere. Take it to the ends of the earth. And this is why, church, we invest in missions this is why so often when we receive the offering here today, we're giving you reports about, about investing and in reaching people, not just here locally, but around the world. And so we're investing in missions and we're helping plant life-giving churches in this, throughout the nation and in other parts of the world. And we're helping... Uh, fight food insecurity right here in Port Chester but we're also helping under-resourced people around the world and, and uh, helping touch kids in poverty and responding to natural disasters all around this is why a team of people just a few weeks ago traveled to the, to Honduras to love on some kids in poverty why because the message of Jesus Christ is for the world it's for people everywhere his heart is for people everywhere this is what we're called to do it's for everybody as I was reflecting on this this past week, I thought about one of my favorite missions projects that we did a couple of years ago. Uh, if you're newer to our church, we do several serve events per year. Every month, almost every month, we have a community outreach project, but we have several serve events where the whole church mobilizes to get out of our seats and get into the streets and serve our neighbors. And so, three times a year, we do a serve event. And a couple of years ago, one of my favorite projects we did is we served Afghan refugees. So this was the during the time. When uh, we were pulling all of our, the U.S. was pulling troops out of Afghanistan and that whole debacle that happened there, and getting out of the country, and and uh, there was already an Afghan refugee crisis happening at that time. But of course, it was sped up by the events of what was happening in the U.S. withdrawing from Afghanistan. There was people who desperately needed to get out, people who had worked with the U.S. government who desperately needed to get out to save their own lives, and so uh, Afghan refugees were being resettled right here in Westchester. And some of you might remember, it got political. In fact, it was during election season. It was really nasty to see how people were manipulating that issue. And in the middle of that, we recognized an opportunity. We're not gonna get caught up in the politics. We're gonna be who Jesus called us to be. And we're gonna love our neighbor as ourselves. Amen. And uh, Pastor Dave ended up finding a wonderful organization that we still work with called Hearts and Homes for Refugees. And we decided we're gonna love on these new neighbors coming from Afghanistan. And so we put together, one of our serve projects was to put together care packages for these Afghan refugees. And one of our team members even went to Queens and found this Afghan market, and we bought them like foods and different things that that they would be excited to have. And here's what I've thought about this. The Holy Spirit just brought this back to me this week. Here were these Afghan refugees coming from a mostly Muslim nation. I'm sure most of them were Muslims. And maybe for them, their first experience of Christians. Who knows what they've heard or thought about Christians up into this time. But their first experience was that they were welcomed to this country by a group of Christians who welcomed them with a care package, welcomed them to Westchester. I have no idea how the Holy Spirit's gonna use that, but here's what I know. That's what we're called to be, church. That's who we're called to be. Come on. The love of Jesus Christ is for people everywhere, everywhere. Jesus left us a note on the counter. He said, I'm leaving But I want you to stay focused. I've got a mission for you. I've got a purpose for you. I've got a calling for you. You're gonna be my witnesses. I want you to take the witness stand. I don't want you to point fingers at people. You're not called to be the judge. You're not called to be the prosecutor. You're not called to be the jury. I want you to be the witness of my love, of my grace, of my mercy. I want you to go to your Jerusalem, to your inner circle. I want you to go to your Judea. I want you to open your eyes and recognize the needs that are around you. And I want you to cross lines to reach people who are different than you. And to recognize that this message is for everybody everywhere, all throughout the earth, all throughout the world. Now, why am I telling you all this? We're going to get really practical with the message. Because we're coming into the fall. This is the last weekend. Obviously, a lot of our church family is still on vacation. People are going to come back from vacation. And we're getting into the back-to-school time of year. And every fall, our church renews our focus on reaching unchurched people. We always have a series that's, that's meant to, to be a series that you can invite friends to. And so we're doubling down on that this fall. Uh, we're gonna give you some great opportunities to put this in to practice. So first of all, you already heard the announcement. We're kicking off a new fall schedule, Sunday, September 17th, 9 o'clock, 1045, 1230 with Spanish translation at the last service. So many of you Spanish speakers have friends and family who need to get connected to a life-giving church. Get them here. Okay? We are creating more room, more space to reach more, more people. Uh, we're kicking off a new series called, What's the Point? And the whole, the whole series is about finding purpose when life seems pointless. We've all been there before. We've all been through seasons of life where we wondered, why did I go through that? You know, why am I going through this? And we all have friends and family and coworkers and unchurched neighbors who are asking these questions. And so in this series, we're gonna speak to those questions and we're gonna talk about overcoming hurts of the past and, and getting past their excuses and moving forward into purpose. And, and and we're gonna talk about not going it alone in relationships. We're gonna talk about things that people care about in this series. And it's gonna be a great opportunity to invite somebody. In fact, every morning uh, in September and in going in to October, we're going to have something fun, just, just an extra excuse to invite somebody to church. Sunday, September 17th, we're kicking off with a petting zoo. Come on, where are the animal lovers at? We're going to have a petting zoo across the parking lot at St. Peter's, okay? It's supposed to be for the kids, but it's really for us adults who want to pet some goats, and I heard there might even be a donkey over there, okay? It's going to be fun, and so, of course, the kids are going to love that. So we're going to have a petting zoo. And, and uh, next week, we're going to have bounce houses for back to school. And, and I even heard that one morning, we're going to have a crepe station. Come on, you can get a crepe when you come to church. And we're just going to have fun. Just gonna, we're just coming up with excuses and making it easy for you to invite your friends every Sunday morning over the next few over the next few weeks. Why? Because we want to reach people. We want to live out this message. We want to put it into, into practice. Today, when you leave, we're going to have invite cards for you. And I want to encourage you to take some of those invite cards and pray over them and think about somebody you wanna invite to church. And we have some books for you out in the lobby. Now, this whole series is inspired by a book that our good friend, Pastor Matt Keller wrote. It's got a funny name. It's called Donkey Mission. And it's all about the story from 1 Samuel chapter nine, where Saul went on a mission to find his dad's, his father's lost donkeys, but ended up discovering his purpose. And so the book is all about going on these seasons of life where it seems like we're going through something that's pointless, but there's purpose in it. And so I want to encourage you, the books are like five bucks. They're made for you. To, it's going to be easy for you to get one and for you to buy one for somebody else. So buy a book, put an invite card in it and invite somebody to come to church. Here's why this matters, church, because people are hurting, because people are broken, people are lost. People are looking for answers and we have the answer in Jesus Christ. We have the answer in Jesus Christ. And I know what some of you feel during a message like this. well, Pastor Jeremy, that's intimidating for me. Pastor Jeremy, I've got my own stuff. I'm just trying to keep my head above water. Maybe you came into church today kind of feeling low on faith. And you might say, Pastor Jeremy, I'm going through such, so much of my, my own thing and, and just trying to hold my life together right now. And, and I don't have all the answers. Listen to me, you don't have to have all the answers. You just have to point people to the one who does. You just have to take your place to be a witness, to point people. Let me just tell you how Jesus made a difference in my life. And if he did it for me, he can do it for you. That's it. it, Let me tell you something. There is nothing like, there's nothing like being used by God to make a difference in somebody else's life. And oftentimes that is the very thing that we need to pull us out of our own funk. There is nothing like seeing God impact someone else's life through your life, through your testimony, through your kindness, through your smile, through your invitation. And so we're believing for God to do some great things in our church this fall, amen? I'm believing over the next few weeks, we're gonna need three services to make some more room in this place for what God is gonna do. Would you stand with me this morning? We're gonna pray. In just a moment, we're gonna receive communion. But can we take a moment to pray? And here's the beautiful thing. Jesus isn't sending us out into the world under our own power, but he's given us the power of his Holy Spirit. And so just bow your head in this place. Maybe you want to lift your hands to receive a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit today to be who he's called us to be. Father, we thank you for your word. Jesus, we thank you that we get the privilege of being your witnesses. Lord, we get to testify to the evidence of our changed lives to be your people, to be your presence in this world. We thank you that you believed in us enough, that you entrusted us with your ministry, your legacy, your church in this world. We get to be your church in this world, your presence. Holy Spirit, we're asking you to fill us afresh. We need your power. We need your presence. Got many of us in this room, Lord, we feel so inadequate. We feel like we're just trying to hold it together for ourselves, but God, we thank you that it's not by our power, by our strength, but by the power of your Holy Spirit. And so I pray that your spirit would be poured out on us afresh to be your witnesses. And Lord, we're believing for you to do some great things in our lives and in the lives of our friends and family over the next few weeks. In Jesus' name, if you believe it, would you say amen? Amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you'd like more information about our church, visit us online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org or follow us on social media.